So we're continuing our sermon series here. So I hope everyone's already turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 because pretty much every Sunday evening that's where we go. And if you're not turning there, I reckon you haven't been listening. But uh, so as usual, keep a finger in Ezekiel 22 and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> so yeah, it's sins that get you kicked out of church. That's a series we've been doing on Sunday evenings for a little while. I would hope that if you haven't, you're probably memorising 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11, uh, which, just to remind you if you haven't, says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 reads, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no, not to eat. And we've gone through the rest of them and we're going to be looking at extortion today. So the title of my sermon today is Sins That Get You Kicked Out of Church, Extortion. Sins That Get You Kicked Out of Church, Extortion. I'd like to pray before we continue. Father, thank you, um, thank you for the lessons we can get out of your Bible and the, the clear lessons on, on church discipline and who we, sh who we should be getting rid of out of the church, whether it's for a time or whether it's for a longer time. But Lord, um, and, and right now we're looking at that, that wicked sin of extortion. Please help me to preach this now just accurately and preach it as you'd want it preached, Lord. And, and just fill me with your spirit, please, Lord. Help everyone here to just stay wide awake and attentive and, and focused. And, um, you know, after what's always a, a busy day on a Sunday. And Lord, just uh, help everyone to just listen to what you've got to say. In Jesus' name, pray all of this. Amen. So what is an extortioner? An extortioner is someone that practices extortion, basically. What is extortion? Well, something that an extortioner does. Job done now, Joe. What is extortion? Well, the, the word is first used where we were in Ezekiel 22, actually, but with extortioner being used earlier in, in Psalm 109. Now, Ezekiel 22 does help us understand it. But I believe the dictionary definitions are pretty sound with this as well. Um, uh, you know, the, we'll give a couple here. The Webster's 1828 dictionary, which I think is a bit more accurate here, says the act of extorting, the act or practice of wresting anything from a person by force, duress, menaces, authority, or by any undue exercise of power, illegal exaction, illegal compulsion to pay money or to do some other act. Extortion is an offence punishable at common law. And it says force or illegal compulsion by which anything is taken from a person as well. Um, now, dictionary.com, their definition says an act or instance of extorting. And then as in law, it says the crime of obtaining money or some other thing of value by the abuse of one's office or authority. So it's not always just money. And then it says for number three here, oppressive or illegal exaction as of excessive price or interest, extortions of users, for example. Number four, anything extorted. So basically, as a summary there, using some form of threats, force, including authority, some sort of pressure to take from someone or basically ripping someone off, be it by the price of something or charging, well... It says here, excessive interest. So we're going to look at that in a second as well. Now, go back to Ezekiel 22 then, which also interprets it, I believe, and, and gives a kind of nice summary for it as well. In Ezekiel 22, you know, the Lord's casting judgment on Jerusalem through Ezekiel. He, he's listing many of their sins. So if you remember in the first sort of several verses there, he's listing these different sins. He says they're an abomination. He then says in verse 12, in thee... Have they taken gifts to shed blood? Thou hast taken usury and increase, and thou hast greedily gained of thy neighbours by extortion, and hast forgotten me, saith the Lord God. So basically, they've taken bribery to kill. They've taken usury and increase. What does that mean? Well, basically, usury is just interest. Okay, usury is interest. It's now changed the definition to excessive interest, but it was previously any interest. So any interest at all charged on something, if you're wondering, what, what do I mean by interest? I mean, for example, if, if you borrow some money off someone and they say, fine, but you've got to pay back an extra certain amount percent, that's usury. 
okay? The biblical definition is usury. Now they've changed it to if it's very high interest. And I don't know, they have some sort of parameters as to what constitutes usury and what constitutes what people consider fair interest. Now, what about increase? So increase is profit, again, or produce. So, for example, it could be, it could be lending money and then taking extra profit rather than interest of the money back. So for, say, for example, um, say Brother Lucky here, he, he kind of had a sort of, uh, some sort of vegetable scheme that he wanted to plant a load of stuff and sell off, sell on his produce. He says to me, Brother Ian, can you lend me, you know, this amount to get going with it? I need this to get everything sorted, get set up, 500 pounds. And I said to him, sure, Brother Lucky, pay me back the 500 pounds plus I want the first whatever of your produce, okay? That would be increase there. Yeah, I haven't charged him interest on the money, he's still paying me back the 500 pounds, but he's also having to give me, you know, the first however much produce, whatever we decided, you know, the first carrots that came up or whatever it is okay so that would be that's like a kind of a simple example of the increase there as well okay so you're 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 uh, you're in ezekiel 22 i want you to turn to exodus 22 because like i said usury usury is just charging interest now all of that that we just said there comes under webster's illegal exaction illegal compulsion to pay money or to do some other act and dictionary.com's oppressive or illegal exaction as of excessive price or interest the extortions of users because any interest amongst each other was illegal in god's law okay so this is talking about in jerusalem here they're charging usury to their you know fellow whatever you want to call them Israelites, you know, Jerusalem here, the, the Jews, if you want to kind of give them that umbrella term. Well, that was illegal. Exodus 22 and verse 25 says, If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. If thou at all take thy neighbour's raiment to pledge, Thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. For that is his covering only, it is his raiment for his skin, wherein shall he sleep? And it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. So basically, even if you've got some sort of clothing as a down payment, that's to be given back by the evening. And, you, you know, point being here that at night it gets cold, doesn't it? And there are people that don't, you know, it's not like now we've got this wardrobe full of clothes. There are people that are, maybe only have, you know, one warm kind of overcoat or something else. And that can be quite useful at night. But notice how verse 25 said, it, it said to any of my people, if thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not be to him as an usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. That is interest. Any interest at all was forbidden there. Now, turn to Deuteronomy 23, which makes this point a bit clearer. So the rule was no usury between God's people. He said, my people. Deuteronomy 23 and verse 19. Deuteronomy 23 verse 19 says, Deuteronomy 23, 19. Thou shalt not lend upon usury to thy brother, usury of money, usury of victuals, usury of anything that is lent upon usury. So obviously that could be with anything, couldn't it? It could be, well, I've lent you this, but you've got to give me that back plus something else. Okay? That's just interest, it's usury, yeah? Verse 20 says, unto a stranger thou mayest lend upon usury, but unto thy brother thou shalt not lend upon usury, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all that thou settest thine hand to do in the land, whither thou goest to possess it. So if some wealthy Israelite wanted to charge interest to someone in the surrounding nations, then fair enough. In fact, we see it sometimes amongst kings doing something similar. If they want to, you know, lend something, charge it back, that wasn't a problem. Why is that? Well, firstly, there is more risk involved to lending to someone who's less traceable, isn't there? Okay, it's not, when it's in Israel and they're all next door and they're all in, in the same place, it's not the same, is it? It's not exactly like, oh, I've got to earn that money there that I've lent some money. But you go and lend to someone, you're going to have to have some ways of maybe ensuring that money's paid back, etc. It's going to be more expensive, more of a risk to you. 
You don't have to turn to Deuteronomy 15, 6 says, For the Lord thy God blesseth thee, as he promised thee, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. And thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. They were to be a blessed holy nation ruling over others, okay? So he didn't have a problem with that. But without that, without it being to someone outside of, the, of, you know, of Israel, without that, it's hardly a reason to earn money, is it? Charging your neighbour interest to borrow from you. I mean, it's not exactly like an honest day's work, is it? Where there were already laws in place for non-repayment, weren't there? So bearing in mind, this is you know, how it should have been, a godly nation, etc. Then it wasn't that, oh, well, I've just borrowed, I'm not going to pay back. Yeah, these are all like people that know each other. There's, you, you can take them before the judge, etc. Okay, and, and by the way, that... that that also applied, though, to the stranger living amongst them. So you could read that and go, well, as long as it was anyone that, that wasn't, you know, wasn't of Israel, wasn't of Jewish blood. Well, no, Numbers 15, 15 says, One ordinance shall be both for you of the congregation, also for the stranger that sojourneth with you, an ordinance forever in your generations, as ye are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. So usury was banned between each other but that includes a stranger living amongst them okay so because basically they're to them become like part of them aren't they yeah which is one of the reasons by the way why this pure bloodline stuff is a load of old nonsense because many times you have strangers coming in and being welcomed in and being part of that nation okay so that's why back in ezekiel 22 if you go back there and verse 7 god is rebuking them for this so he says in verse 7 in thee have thy set light by father and mother. In the midst of thee have they, they dealt by oppression with the stranger. In thee have they vexed the fatherless and the widow. Okay, so with that in mind, so just to make that clear, it wasn't, we're not talking about, oh, it's going with the stranger. That's not when it's amongst their people, okay? Looking again at verse 12, it then says that they have greedily gained of their neighbours by extortion, they've forgotten God. So it says thou hast taken usury and increase, and thou hast greedily gained of thy neighbours by extortion, and hast forgotten me, saith the Lord God. And then I think you kind of get a summary for it in verse 13, where it says, Behold, therefore, I have smitten mine hand at thy dishonest gain, which thou hast made, and at thy blood, which hath been in the midst of thee. Because it's basically all dishonest gain, isn't it? Just all dishonest gain. Now, not all dishonest gain is extortion. So, for example, theft isn't extortion, okay? It's, yeah, it's a sin, it's a bad thing. If I went in, you know, kind of on the way out here, shook someone's hand and just kind of picked their pocket on the way out, that's not extortion. But it's still dishonest gain, isn't it? Okay, extortion has a level of compliance. So you're complying to some degree because of the duress, the pressure, whatever it is, the threats of violence, maybe even actual violence, okay? Extortion is, is there is some compliance with it. But the point being here is that charging your friends and family or your neighbours to borrow off you isn't honest gain, is it? Okay, that's not an honest day's work. That's not, oh, I really had to work for that money because I've charged, you know, so-and-so in the church or so, whoever it is to borrow some money off me and they're going to have to pay. That's not how God wants us living, is it? Okay, that's not honest gain. That's dishonest gain. Okay, there's that, what, why does it cost me? It, if it does cost me and I can't afford to lend and don't lend it to them. Okay, but if I'm lending to someone to then get back extra interest, it's dishonest gain, isn't it? Okay. But then you could argue that neither is charging extortionate interest to the non-family and friends. It's not really honest business, is it? So, because you could argue, and of course probably the Jews have, haven't they, or what we call Jews this day, would say, well, it's fine to open up banks and everything else, because that's to the stranger. Maybe amongst themselves they have a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge, and they don't charge interest for loans and things like that. They probably do, but, you know, they at least might claim that they don't. It's to the, to the goyim, or whatever they'd want to call us, right? Or, you know, whatever they call the, the, the non-Jews. But really, any of that, really, it's not, it's not just honest gain, is it? It's not honest money. And when it was talking about to the stranger at the time, it wasn't talking about, well, someone who's a non-Jew. The point was it was, in a, it was amongst it being outside of the nation, to those outside of what was meant to be a holy nation, a nation which was meant to be a beacon to the world. Not talking about just infiltrating in all these different areas of society and then ripping people off left, right and centre. Okay, none of that's honest gain, is it? Okay, so... 
With that in mind, most of these interest-charging loan companies, finance companies, banks, mortgage lenders, etc., are extorting people with usury, aren't they, really? Okay, they're extorting people. They extort people. Some of it is absolutely outrageous what they do, the way they con people with the small print and the way things increase and the fines for late payments, things which they know no one reads because the small print is that thick and most people are just desperate to borrow some money or to sign or to get whatever it is, finance or something on whatever it is. And then the, the, the problem is, is then people, people look at it and go, yeah, but how else could I afford, for example, to buy a house? How else could I afford to buy a house? They're helping me out almost. And that's kind of almost where it's become set up to nowadays, isn't it? Because previously with, with mortgages and things like that, you know, kind of they were scrambling for your business, right? But now it's kind of changed a bit where it's like there are people who literally are like almost having to beg them, you know, do anything they can to persuade these people to lend them money at an extortionate interest rate. It's a very strange turnaround, isn't it, with it all? Well... <clears throat> the point being that if usury had always been illegal, you wouldn't be paying over half a million pounds in, this, in the London area, on average, for some bricks and mortar, would you? Okay, if there wasn't such thing, if usury had just been banned, we wouldn't have this ridiculous situation we're in. And again, look, I'm not preaching against that. If that's something you feel it's right to do, that's up to you. But what they're doing is extortion. It's extortion. It, is, it does... Let's be honest, without getting my tinfoil hat on, it does seem to have all been set up that way as well, doesn't it? And a lot of things seem to have played into the fact that we are getting extorted by these people. You want to own your own house, you basically have to accept that you're going to be extorted to do so. And it's whether or not you can afford that extortion, because they will take your house off you as well, in, if you can't in the future. These people are extortioners. What are some other examples of extortioners? Well, how about most debt collectors? Most debt collectors. You, you, you have a, a, some sort of debt with someone or something and it goes to debt collectors, you will literally just see them add on £100 sending a letter sometimes, £75, whatever it is, to send you a letter saying, make a payment to this automatic. That, I mean, apparently that costs £100. That's extortion. Because the threat is what? The threat is we're going to come and start removing goods from your house. If you don't pay us a ridiculous amount of money, which isn't worth the work that they're doing, OK? It's extortion. How about when they come and start trying to threaten people to remove their goods? Well, that's extortion, isn't it? Because you're threatening somebody, saying, if you don't give me money, I'm going to start removing stuff from your home that isn't mine, that I don't possess. And a lot of people have been stitched up by that, and there's some, some laws in that that people aren't even aware of, and they will try and push and break and, 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 and try and intimidate people and make them allow them into that home when they don't have to, and all this sort of weird stuff like that, and they prey on people that aren't knowledgeable, prey on the elderly. It's all extortion. How about a car clamper? Most car clampers are charging people an absolute fortune to remove a clamp. And a lot of the time, it is a bit of a... Again, it, it, it's, it's by trickery. It's not honest. There'll be a tiny little bit of small print somewhere on something that, that it actually costs you £300 or whatever it is to remove a clamp off your car. And people are getting clamped when they have no idea. A lot of parking attendant types. Now, again, look. You choose, you know full well what you're going to do and you end up getting a fine for it. You could argue, well, that was an extortion. You knew what you were doing, brother. But a lot of the time, people aren't really aware, are they? A lot of the time, it's quite clever and sneaky. And I've actually contested these things before. And, and there's a lot of things that they refuse to do that they should do. They should be able to provide you an exact location of where their signs are, how clearly printed they are, how obvious it is that you're entering into a contract, who actually owns that land, etc. There's a lot of stuff they need to do. If you ask that information with the ones that are clearly extorting you, then a lot of the time they'll just say, OK, forget it and drop it. Um, but you could argue that some, some maybe aren't, some are, some are legal. A lot of these are just illegal. They're, they're cowboys, basically. I've talked about this before, the BBC licence, like goons that come around people's houses and try and force them to, to prove to them whether or not they watch TV in their home. I mean, it's an absolute... It's, it, it's a joke, isn't it? It's not a law. It's some, it's some weird sort of grey area where they're basically just trying to get you to enter into a contract with them to start paying their money. Again, it's, it's, it's extortion. Now, don't forget, if you're thinking, well, you're going off a bit into the weeds here, brother. Well, it's the act of extorting, the act or practice of wresting anything from a person by force, duress, menaces, authority, or by any undue exercise of power. 
I, I see that with all of those things, yeah? Now, there are obvious ones, the mafia-style protection money. Maybe that's the first thing people see. When, it, when they see this and they see, you know, this sin of extortion, they probably just think straight away, oh, yeah, well, that's kind of like maybe probably in the old days somewhere where people were just, like, forcing money out. People coming into churches and going, if you don't give me money, I'm going to do this to you or to your family or something else like that. But could you, could, I mean, put, your, put yourself in, in the mind here because we look at it, we, we think from our kind of, fairly protected right now position in our church here. Imagine that we all lived, I don't know, somewhere may, where maybe things were a little bit more like that. It was a little bit more sort of mob rule. Maybe, you know, that there was a bit more that sort of protection money. There are places like that, by the way. There are places, usually poorer nations, where there is someone that will come one way or another to try and get a bit of money from you to maybe be the local protection to help you not get grief from what ends up being people that they collaborate with, right? How would we respond to that? They came into our church and said that. Oh, you want to you set up a church here? You've got a new church. It's a church plant here. Well, you need to pay us this amount of money and we'll protect your church. Make sure that it doesn't get damaged. Make sure that it doesn't get ransacked. Make sure that would be an extortioner. Maybe we'd have to pay them and kick them out at the same time. <laughs> I don't know, but you'd have to think of something, wouldn't you? Because the Bible says it's extortion, doesn't it? That's extortion. That's threatening you to pay money. And that could happen. There are probably churches where there is that sort of risk, isn't there? There is that threat maybe going on. There could be people coming in and trying to offer that sort of, or trying to, trying to put that on people in their church, put it on the leadership, put it on people in the church maybe as well. That does happen, doesn't it? What about, here's another one, yeah? What about blackmail? That's a form of extortion, isn't it? You think, yeah, well, how would that work? How about threats of accusations false or not to people unless they are and it doesn't have to just be money unless they do what they want unless they give them something whatever it is you, threats of violence to family members if they don't I don't know how about if they don't stop preaching something how about that yeah you don't stop preaching about blah 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 your family's going to get it there are people that have that have had that sort of threat. It could be subtle. There could be people that come in your church and try and subtly extort you. If you don't stop preaching X, Y, and Z, I'm going to make up this accusation about you. How about that? Or how about, how about and maybe some, some jilted ex saying, I'm going to tell everyone blah, blah, blah if you, don't, if you don't unblock me. How about that? If you're not happy to, if you don't, don't kind of get back together with me or you don't at least let me explain my side or whatever it is that we broke up. I'm going to tell people this. I'm going to accuse you of that. I'm going to show them these pictures. Well, you, you can imagine many different scenarios, right? It's all extortion, isn't it? It's all extortion. Okay, now here's another interpretation that I heard a while ago and I agree with this. How about I'm coming to church, yeah? And I'm purposely talking about my hardships to get handouts from people. How about that one? How about I'm just, you know, maybe subtly, maybe not. Every time someone asks me, how are you doing, brother Ian? Well, you know, just about scraped by this month. Don't know how I'm going to do next month. Pretty close, I think it's going to be. Now, you know, I go, well, yeah, but where's the threats? Where's, say I'm just regularly doing it. Say, say it's dishonest gain at the least, yeah? Because really, I'm manipulating people to get money out of them. But maybe I'm using my position as a brother in Christ. I'm saying, forget myself here as leading the church, whoever it is. Maybe I'm using that position, that position of being a brother or sister. And they should help out. They see their brother in need. I'm not really in need. Maybe I'm just a lazy bum. And instead, I'm just trying to basically extort money out of people in the church. And people hit churches like that, okay? Churches are an obvious place to come and blag money out of people, okay? And people do that and they use a generosity because a lot of us, you know, hopefully like to consider ourselves as generous people to our brothers and sisters, especially in Christ, and people will abuse that. And people will extort money out of Christians with that. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Because it could be that I'm refusing to work and instead begging money from my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, remember Webster's said the act or practice of wresting anything from a person by force, duress, menaces, authority, or by any undue exercise of power. And like I said, that, that power could be as a brother in Christ, I believe. Because it's one thing to get some needed help, yeah, as maybe a one-off from someone, okay? And look, 
again, we see our brother in need, we should want to help, right? Okay, someone needs some, some needed help. Yeah, look, I, I'm not saying, look, no one could ever... No one could ever be lent some money or helped out by someone in the church, okay? I'm not going to go completely hard line on that. But there's a difference between that and it's because you just refuse to work. Or maybe you do work and you're just trying to scam people and you, you don't actually even need the money so much. How about that? And that happens. Now, that's dishonest gain. Abusing your position, I believe, as, as a brother in Christ, as a fellow church member. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6 says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labour and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we command you, that any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, just to make it clear, they, they did this. They were working to make an example to them because they wanted to encourage them to do the same. And they said here, for, he said here, Paul, for even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now, he didn't say if any does not work, did he? Okay? Because, look, there, there could be times in, in anyone's life when they're out of work, right? There could be times where maybe they're, they're unable to work. Maybe they're, they've got some sort of chronic illness, condition, or something else, yeah? Okay, that can happen, can't it? It might be that the, the, the industry that they're trained in, maybe they can't get work, they find it hard to get other work, okay? But it's any would not work. So this is someone that is choosing not to. This is someone basically refusing to work. He says, neither should he eat. Okay, neither should he eat. Okay, basically, and, and, and the point being here, because he, he, he makes it clear, because it's basically people that are coming to the assembly, you know, uh, of believers to basically just, just have a freebie, to come and eat and, and whatever else, get, you know, get fed up by them. Maybe they're going there every day to where, wherever they're meeting and getting fed up. And he says this, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Okay, so these people are just like hanging around, you know, not working. Now, them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Okay, so these are people that are basically just coming into the, to the church of God, coming into to amongst God's people to just basically have a freebie, live for free. That's pretty wicked, isn't it? But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Okay, point being, just because there are people like that doesn't mean that, right, everyone else, everyone's cast off now. No, I will never help another. I'm not helping a brother in Christ. They should be working, you know. It's like they've just lost their job, you know. They've been persecuted for Christ. Tough. If any does not work, neither should he eat. Yeah, that's not the point, is it? But it better not be because they would not work, right? Okay, people should be trying. It better be because they're unable for a justified reason. He said, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an, as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So notice this, have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Okay? Now, some people use, uh, use this passage as a separate. I think I heard it being called like kind of jokingly before by a pastor. was like the pastor Jimenez one, because he like makes a point of this as well. Um, I, I, I personally group it with extortion because I just see it as the same sort of thing. You're just basically trying to blag money out of people. It's dishonest gain. It's trying to extort them one way or another. But you could, you know, you could maybe, you know, call this a separate offence. Either way, we're told to have no company with them, aren't they? How do you do that? You kick them out of your church. Now, look, our church maybe is like that. But if it, look, because there's no rule, yeah? It's no, all right, three to thrive, that's your limit. We could, we could be a church where maybe we're all a bit more local and we could be like, right, we also have a this day, we have a Monday, Tuesday where we come and we, we do do soul winning on a Tuesday, but say we're all a bit more local, maybe our Tuesday soul winning night would be a bit more local to the church. Maybe our, our Saturday soul winning would be again a bit more local to the church because everyone lives nearby. You know, we also have a Friday fellowship evening. We have like a ladies thing on this. We have this. Every time we're 
trying to put on food for people because it's not, you know, especially, you know, in days when there's not just maybe, you know, a kind of takeaway everywhere around the corner and easy stuff to bring. Maybe they're putting on food in a church and there are people that are literally just turning up to every single thing just to blag food out of people. Refusing to work, obviously not tithing because they don't, don't get any, any money anywhere. They're just coming to just eat and make use of everything in the church. If they, if the people like that, they kick them out. Yeah? Fair enough, really, isn't it? Okay? They're just extorting the people in church, extorting money, extorting food out of them. That's not right. But count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And that's just a good reminder that when it comes to this sort of thing, you know, ultimately, if that's a saved person, you, you're, you're trying to get them right, aren't you? Yeah, you don't want that sort of thing in the church. You don't want to be encouraging that. But it's easy to look at a series like this and maybe kind of get the wrong end of the stick that we're just trying to kick people out of this and that. Look, we want, we want people in the church, but we want people to be right in the church, to be right with God, and we don't want that leaven leavening the whole lump of the church, right? Okay, so the idea is, is, is not to count him as an, as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So hopefully he would get a job and come back into the church and stop being a freeloader, right? Okay. So what is extortion? What is extortion? And I believe that that would be a form of extortion. So either using some sort form of force, including authority or standing. I would add, you know, you could add standing to that. Some sort of authority or standing amongst people to take from someone. And it doesn't have to be money. Ripping someone off is extortion, be it by the price of something or charging interest among each other. Okay, among each other or excessive interest if outside of church. And I'm not, I'm not going to give you a line of what that is, but I, I think the whole lot really is pretty wicked. You could even just say interest at all. I'm not sure there. Because when it was told it could be done to strangers, that was two separate nations when it was the nation of Israel, when it was God's holy people, right? And then also you could just summarise a lot of it as dishonest gain, couldn't you? Dishonest gain. Okay. How bad is extortion then? So how bad is it? Well, Ezekiel chapter 22. Look at, look at verse 1. So go back to Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel 22 and verse 1 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Now thou son of man, wilt thou judge? Wilt thou judge the bloody city? Yea, thou shalt show her all her abominations. What are abominations? Things which God hates, yeah? He despises them. That's what an abomination is. He then lists a load of wicked sins, yeah? He lists murder, idolatry, incest. And then look at verse 12. In thee have they taken gifts to shed blood. Thou hast taken user and increase, and thou hast greedily gained of thy neighbours by extortion, and hast forgotten me, saith the Lord God. Behold, therefore I have smitten mine hand at thy dishonest game, which thou hast made, and at thy blood, which hath been in the midst of thee. He's saying that he smashed all of their dishonest game because basically the city's about to get destroyed, isn't it? Can thine heart endure or can thine hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with thee? I, the Lord, have spoken it and will do it. And I will scatter thee among the heathen and disperse thee in the countries and will consume thy filthiness out of thee. So it's on the list of things described here as filthiness, yeah? It's an abomination. And I believe that could be a bit of a shock to some. Apart from the sort of mafia style, you know, putting a horse's head, you know, next to you in the bed or something, probably, or threatening your family or kidnapping, they'd say, well, the rest of it, come on, is it really an abomination, brother Ian? You know, some of those other examples you gave, is it really that bad? Well, you could say, look, incest, idolatry, murder, maybe that's what he was talking about. Maybe that's the abomination. Yeah, and now he's just kind of added on, you know, this extra, you know, bit about extortion as kind of an extra bad thing that the nation was up to. Well, no, I believe it is because ripping your brother or sister off, which is what ultimately this is here, however you do it, it's wicked, isn't it? Like seeing someone as just someone that you could just take from is wicked, isn't it? What's theirs should be mine. I mean, what sort of, it's just, it's unreal, isn't it? And, and, like I said, the, the, the other things were the, were, you know, the other things I don't believe were just the abomination. Because if you turn back to Ezekiel 18, go back to Ezekiel 18, God's explaining that we get punished for our individual sin, Ezekiel 18, and he says in verse 10, Ezekiel 18, 10, if he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any one of these things, and that doeth not any of those duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountain and defiled his neighbor's wife, 
have oppressed the poor and needy, have spoiled by violence, have not restored the pledge, and have lifted up his eyes to the idols, have committed abomination, have given forth upon usury, and have taken increase, shall he then live, he shall not live, he hath done, look at this bit, all these abominations. Clearly, it's an abomination. T given forth upon usury, taken increase, oppressed the poor and needy, said in verse 12, he then says he shall surely die, his blood shall be upon him. It's definitely an abomination. But I believe it's another thing that we've become so desensitised to in this world now. So desensitised to dishonest gain. Because it's everywhere. It's everywhere, it's encouraged, it's pushed, it's promoted. People trying to con you, rip you off, trick you into some sort of small print scam. It's just, it's kind of like the gauntlet that you just get used to running through on a, sometimes on a day-to-day -day basis for some. People just trying to rip you off. How about, I mean, it starts from young, doesn't it? How about they're just being intimidated for maybe your lunch money? Or maybe not, not even that. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I can remember stuff like that. Not even just for, just for some of your food. Kids just trying to intimidate you for maybe some of your food. Because sometimes it's really subtle. I remember this guy at my school. And what he used to do, and this is at my secondary school, and he was quite a bully. He was a bully. He wasn't just quite. He was a bully. Yeah, he's a bully. And he was, he was intimidating to some. And he was very in people's face. So what he used to do is just come over to, to where everyone's eating and whether in the canteen, their food, and just ask, can I have a chip? Or can I have a this? And can I have that? Yeah? And most people would be like, well, he's just having a chip. Maybe it's a couple of chips. A lot of the time, I remember it was this guy, he's always like put his whole fingers and thumb in his mouth. And then it would cut, and you'd just be like, oh, man, I didn't want to eat that anymore. So you never wanted him to get two chips. One was enough, yeah? Okay, but he would do that every single lunchtime without, without fail. And you, you kind of, in your mind, just thinking, well, the guy just obviously can't afford food or something else, you know? Well, what was funny is when we left school, he was the first one to buy the, a very expensive car because he'd been saving up his lunch money every single day, never paid for a bit of lunch, but just took everyone else's food. And it was a bit here and a bit there, but really, it was a scam, wasn't it? And he never really explained it, just, oh, no, I haven't got any lunch money, something along those lines. But really, it was just because he was saving up for a car. And then he had some stupid convertible, this or that, you know, when he was 17, the day he turned 17. And, but, but anyway, <laughs> point being that it's not always just obvious. It's not just in your face, give me your lunch money or I'm going to beat you up type stuff, yeah? But it's not just at school. I remember as well, when I was young, the gangs in town. Any, anyone, you know, grew up around sort of towns in England, you go out with your friends, you know, which, which really, looking in hindsight, my parents shouldn't have let me do, but from sort of secondary school, when I'm making my way to school tomorrow, I'll go out with my friends in, in whatever town centre, and you get other gangs of slightly older kids or more kids than you coming up to you and ask you for maybe the, the old cliche was a pound. Lend us a pound. You got a pound, lend me a pound. And now you've got, oh, I've got a decision here. I've got, like, these kids are bigger than me. These kids look tougher than me as well. And if I don't give them the pound, I'm going to probably get a bit of a slap here or beaten up or something else. But if I give them a pound, I'm probably going to have to give them more. And that's, that's a pretty young. I, I know that was a gauntlet. But from young, really, that was something when you were young and out and about, and again, shouldn't have really been out and about, that you kind of, it's something that you're having to deal with. And that bigger group, the more numbers or the older kids, you, you don't really want to be on your own around them. And a lot of the time, you don't really want to be walking through a group like that because you're going to start to get attempted, at least, to be extorted. And, and that, that's just growing up in... in that's probably growing up, most kids growing up. Getting the bus home just after school. Get up on the bus, get up to the top deck. Oh, great. There's a group of 12 kids and I'm on my own great. <laughs> do I go back down the bus or do I just try and front this out? Oh no, and then come the, you know, lend us this or give us that. Well, you, and, and that's just standard, isn't it? So we start to become desensitised to it. Well, you know, that's just like, but that's wicked, isn't it? That is wicked. You, you know, you're, and of course, you know, hopefully none of our kids will ever be like that. But your kids like that. That's like, that's something else, isn't it? But a lot of kids just do, I mean, that's pretty standard. Then that kind of doesn't stop at teenage years. I remember the, 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 that same sort of style of the older bullies, just a free night out, you know, where, when sadly again, you know, you, you'd 
going places, doing things you shouldn't be doing. People that just want a free ride for the whole night, you know, just come along and take off people, get bought, whatever it is, food, drinks, everything else by people. Be it by subtle intimidation sometimes, just someone who's a bit of a dominant character, that sort of person. Then it's the drug addicts on the streets trying to intimidate people. Yeah, pretty standard, isn't it? Still to this day. Still to this day, some of you will go past people who try and intimidate you into giving them money because they're a drug addict or an alcoholic and they don't want to work and they want your money. And they'll sometimes be pretty forceful with you. And that starts from young. I remember getting that from, from young and, you know, these sort of homeless types will start to try and intimidate. And they'll see whether they can intimidate or not, you know, and... and I remember, I remember my, my wife took my daughter out to something a few years back in the evening in London, in central London, and, and yeah, I mean, she, she's walking past it. I can't remember which, which station it was, Charing Cross maybe. She said literally tons of them, intimidating. She said it was really scary, you know? And, and again, it's just, it's all extortion really, isn't it? It's trying to get money out of you from force address and those same people will do different tactics with different people so maybe the maybe the guy that looks like he's not maybe going to be so intimidated instead it will be just trying to try trying to basically extort it through you know tuggy on your heartstrings or whatever else that way and then maybe with maybe with the lady on her own it's through trying to look intimidating so it doesn't really stop does it and then you, you kind of get past that bit and you're like, well, I won't go to that. I'll avoid those sort of places. I'll avoid all of that. Well, you got through that gauntlet and then it's the con artist trying to sell you maybe knocked off TVs or tools. I don't know if you ever had those sort of people, they'll pull up next to you in the van and then it's suddenly, oh yeah, yeah, buy this. It's, you know, it's only like a quarter of the price or whatever else. And a lot of the time it's a sham. You know, the people that buy it, fortunately I've never been done by this. Some people do. And then they go home, open up the box and it doesn't work, you know, and things like that. How about the ripping you off with, with building work? You know, the, the, the roof that needs doing, that never did. You know, you've got a couple of loose tiles, go up there, come down. You know, well, actually, no, the whole thing needs redoing up there. And, and if you, well, I've already done some of the work now, you're going to have to pay me. You can either pay me this now, or I'll do the rest of it, but you need to, you know, and, and again, extorting elderly people, you get it with the driveways. I was talking recently about people that would literally just come to your home, offer you this really cheap driveway, and then they wouldn't even do it properly. It's just extortion, really, isn't it? And then people are intimidated because it's like these group of guys who are telling me if I don't pay, I'm, they're going to be coming back and ripping up the driveway again or something else. It's all extortion, isn't it? And it's all something that I believe we just start to get more and more used to. How about going and buy, I was thinking about this one, going and buying a second-hand car. How about that? You, you, you go to some private advert, and not just private advert, a lot of the time with second-hand car dealerships, and you're basically just hoping that they're not basically ripping you off. That they don't know that, in fact, there's some horrible rust at the bottom of it or something else. It's just, you know, the car's going to bottom out on you. And, and they know. And a lot of these people just, they're just trying to rip you off. They're trying to con you. They're trying to extort money out of you for something that's not worth the money. And it's just a fact of life, isn't it? It's a fact of life. It's everywhere. And as the money gets higher, the extortioners just become more sophisticated, don't they? Think about the, the ones trying to extort you for car insurance. The amount of money you pay for car insurance, and then when they have to pay out, they come out with every other excuse why they shouldn't have to pay out. They're trying to find reasons not to... And then suddenly you end up just having to pay it back over the next however many years because you lose your bonus, your no claims bonus. And basically it just means that you'll just pay it back over a longer period in higher, in higher premiums. Hidden bank fees on things. Again, it's just extortion. You can't even live without a bank account now. I remember in the old days they wanted your business. I mean, in fact, you were, you were kind of charging them usury, weren't you, for giving them your money, right? Although, you know, it wasn't that they were borrowing it in a, in a sense. They were basically wanting it to be able to gamble with and everything else, really, which is what it was. But nowadays, I mean, do you even get any interest? I don't even know if that works. You just get fines and fees, yet you can't live without it. Seems to be a bit set up, that, doesn't it? Now you have to put your money in a bank and then you get fines, fees and everything else putting your money in a bank. Mortgage brokers and... and Look, all of it, all, so many of these people are just trying to rip you off, let, let alone the open extortion from the criminals in government and their great ones exercising authority on them, yeah, because that's really who it is. Because let's be honest, most of what we pay in taxes, or a lot of what we pay is lining people's pockets. That's just open extortion, really, isn't it? Because they, they, you know, they're, they're, they're charging you... 
They're claiming it's for what should be the running of the, of, of the country and for all these services we should be getting. But really, what's, what's really happening to so much of that money? I mean, just the tip of the iceberg, we just revealed re, you know, more recently with the COVID stuff, with just some of the money just being given to these sham companies, friends of politicians, to, to, for PPI or whatever. Not, not, not PPI, what do they call it? P PPE, PPE, all this so-called personal protective equipment, all these masks and stuff, and then they were just folding their companies and pocketing millions and millions of pounds that have been extorted out of us, because if you don't pay your taxes, you end up in prison. It's all a sham, isn't it? And by the way, just on that, that doesn't mean don't pay your taxes. If you don't like it, go to another country, yeah? If you can't deal with it, okay? We should pay our taxes. Jesus paid his taxes, didn't he? Okay, and I'm sure that that Roman government wasn't, wasn't exactly doing great things with that money. Okay, but let's just make no mistake. God hates it all, okay? Just because we've grown up with it, just because they were just ones off the top of my head when I wrote my notes of things that I could think of just open extortion that we all experience. It doesn't mean God doesn't hate it. He hates it. He, and he expects better from his children, doesn't he? Okay? He doesn't expect us to go, well, the world does it, so we should do the same. So that would go for all the scams and shams and sneaky ways of conning extra money in life. He just wants us to earn an honest living, okay? It's quite a simple concept, yet how many Christians, because of maybe this influence, and because let's not just blame it all the outside world, because of our own wicked flesh, that we like to somehow justify the quick fix way of getting extra cash, the way of scamming some money out of, bit, out of our, the, the government or out of some other way of shamming and getting a bit extra and a little bit here. And a, but God doesn't want us like that, does he? He doesn't want us living like that. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11. And, and here's another thing. It's one thing to be scamming the neighbours' kids and another thing to be scamming your own brothers and sisters, isn't it? You can think about it, the parents here. If, if one sibling was, you know, ripped off the neighbour's kid for something, you'd be a bit disappointed. But if your sibling was just ripping off, you, you know, another one of your children, you're going to be pretty angry, aren't you? stitching them up, making them be in debt to them for a long time by some sort of scammy way that they've worded some sort of deal with their sibling. That's going to get you pretty upset, whether they're a child or an adult, yeah? Okay, and that's the same with God. Proverbs 11 verse 1 says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. He just, wants us, he just wants to see us behaving in a fair and square manner, okay? It's a big deal to God. He just likes just fairness, just, just no false balances, no like sneaky ways of scamming something out of someone, being unfair in business. He just wants us to just be, just be fair and square, right? It's pretty simple, isn't it? What is extortion? Well, using it's either using some form of force authority standing to take from someone or ripping someone off be it by the price or by charging interest and like i said among each other that that is i believe that would still count that that is you know pretty bad in god's eyes but excessive interest you could you could argue if it's outside of church with, with the outside world dishonest gain is, is a good summary of it. How bad is extortion? It's an abomination, okay? Especially when it's between each other. Okay, now here's a question. So why is it a sin that gets you kicked out of church, okay? Apart, aside from the fact that it's an abomination, yeah? Because there are many things that are abominations that won't get you kicked out of church. Look at verse 27 back in Ezekiel. There, Ezekiel 22 and verse 27, where it reads, her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Because being preyed on by people in church is enough to destroy your church life, really, isn't it? Imagine you're coming to church and then you come away and you just feel like that person was just preying on you. That Christian was just trying to rip you off, trying to get something out of you, trying to con you one way or another, trying to get this extra from you. Like, you're basically being preyed on and it destroys souls. The wolves ravening the prey. And, and, you know, people do feel like that when they're being extorted, I believe, one way or another. If you've ever had that happen to you, have people, you do just feel like some sort of prey, some sort of victim. It's very demoralising. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not very good for your self-esteem either, is it, to have someone doing that to you? Turn to Romans chapter 12. 
because we should be loving one another, shouldn't we? Not trying to get what we can from them. And there are people that live their lives like that. Like I spoke about, we were, we're surrounded by it in the world. That doesn't mean, oh, well, it's automatically gone once you become a Christian, once you get saved. There'll be people that, you know, there are people that behave like that. I was talking about that grew up being those sorts of bullies, being those sorts of people that were just ripping people off, taking what they can, just saw everyone as a free meal ticket, everyone as a way of getting money, who could get saved. Does that mean, shh, done. Flip, switch, flick, they'll never be like that again. No. No, it doesn't mean that. And, and obviously not just those kids that like there are people that have worked in jobs where they just see everyone as a walking cash cow. And just any way they can get something out of people, it's just all about, you know, in those sorts of, you know, you can imagine those types of jobs where you're just basically like a wolf, just trying to extort, trying to get money. They get saved maybe. And does that mean they're gonna suddenly stop behaving like that? No. And they, those people can come into churches. Now, we should be loving one another, okay? So, it's not a fake love. Romans 12 verse 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Okay, without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honour preferring one another. So we shouldn't be seeing each other as some sort of easy money maker. That's not really being kindly affection to one another. That'd be a, a, a love with dissimulation, wouldn't it? You're just being loving to someone because you, you see something you can get out of them. We should be hating that which is evil. That would include extortion, wouldn't it? Then it goes on to say in verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Because we should be earning our money by working, not finding easy ways to extort people. Because a lot of it comes from laziness as well, doesn't it? People just want to find a way of getting extra cash because what's then the result well the result is problems in the church divisions resentment and and you can imagine it if that's going on in a church and look that can go on in a church and you can imagine the bigger the church gets the more that can go on you know we, we were you're talking about this recently when you have a smaller church like ours you could kind of see stuff a lot more than and you know and, and, and look and that's not a base not like you're just there trying to catch everyone out but it, it could be a good thing because sometimes as the churches get bigger and bigger and bigger, then you just get a lot more going on, which can't necessarily or isn't so obvious to others and little deals being done and people trying to get people into scans of people coming into churches to extort people. When we talk about trading in church, it's not just about trying to just get some money and trying to find a way of earning. A lot of the time when people are coming in, it's to extort people. It's to get them into their pyramid scheme. It's to get them into their weird scheme, whatever it is, to basically just get money out of them, get cash out of them, find a way of, of getting something from them. People, people do that in churches. And obviously the most wicked people will happily do that. But other people can do that as well because people grow up just seeing, us, basically just seeing everyone around them as a way of getting getting stuff. There's a lot of people like that. They just They, they, they live in a way where just everyone owes them. Everyone owes them something. Everyone owes them a favour. Everyone owes them money. The government owes them money. Their parents owe them money. Their friends owe them money. Their church just owes them money because they're just owed a living. And those people are much more likely to extort people one way or another. And like I said, the result, though, is division, resentment, issues, people not wanting to be in church. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity and we want to be united in this church don't we? we want it to be a pleasant place and you're not going to get that with people extorting each other and and just a point here on that is that look that you know i've heard stuff from other churches and we, we you know there's been a little taste of that here in different ways because it can be very subtle okay it doesn't have to be someone literally coming up to you and and just saying directly i need you to give me some money so sometimes they'll just be constantly just pulling on the heartstrings, you know, just, just the right thing at the right time, mentioning that, you know, times are pretty hard right now and, you know, by God's grace, you know, things are going to... And then, and then, well, someone then lends them a bit of money and then it's like, man, I'm, you're such a blessing. You've been such a blessing to me, my family. What a blessing you are. Then that person kind of a little while later thinks, well, I want to be a blessing to these people again. And, and it's clever. And people are clever the way they do it and they're very subtle about it. And, 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 but they, they target people. They target people that they think may be kind, that they can extort money out of. Okay, and that, that is wicked. 
Okay? That is wicked. And I've seen this stuff happen before, and I don't want to see this happen in our church. And they can be subtle, it can be hard to prove that they're extorting and not just accepting a gift, accepting multiple gifts off someone. Okay? But we want to, we need to be on top of that. Okay? Now, like I said, if you're really in dire straits and desperate and need some help, yeah, you should be able to come to a brother or sister in Christ. But, but not where it starts to become a regular hit for cash. Yeah? Okay? That to me is wicked. But what about the guy, maybe whose job is extortion? The debt collector, the car clamper, people like that. Well, for me, it's a bit of a nasty mentality to be bringing into our church, isn't it? Yeah? Those sorts of people that will just happily just tell people, you can't have your car back until you give us hundreds and hundreds of pounds, or, you know, come to people's doors and put their foot in the door to old women and tell them that they're going to start removing everything they, you know, in their, in their home unless they pay some ridiculous amount of money for this basically unqualified goon to have to bother to get in his car and drive around their home and some, somehow it's worth 500 quid to him or something else. Yeah, look, those, that's pretty wicked, isn't it? And if they're guilty of obvious extortion like that, then we want them to stop that or leave, their, or leave the church, don't we? So again, if there's some new believer, you go and get someone saved out there, it happens to be there's some sort of, you know, debt-collecting extortioner, we're not going to, you know, go, oh, come in, get him baptised and kick him back out, yeah? We're going to probably try and give them a bit of grace but encourage them to get rid of that job or ultimately we don't really want that in the church because I believe it's back to a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump and, and you go well really brother Ian we're not going to all suddenly start getting a job down at his company but extorting people just becomes a little bit more acceptable doesn't it well brother so and so it's not so bad you know it's, well you know he's just trying to earn a living and then suddenly, you know, kids and other maybe impressionable people go, well, that's probably not a bad way of working. You know, all you really have to do is turn up and sit outside someone's house and then get, you know, a good week's wage out of them when they eventually open the door. You know, and, and suddenly it becomes that bit more and then that mentality and everything else. We want that out of our church. We don't want that in our church. And those same sort of, sorts of people maybe might be more likely to start extorting people in the church in one of the many ways that we've mentioned, right? It's not how God wants us to live, is it? Okay, verse 29 there says, the people of the land, sorry, back to, back to Ezekiel 22, says the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them, I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. I mean, God makes it clear what he thinks about this sort of thing. That's listed alongside all these other abominations. It's, it's a serious thing, okay? It's a big deal. It's not, oh, I just, you know, I just kind of conned them a little bit and took a bit of cash off whoever it was or managed to, you know, get, get a bit of free this or free that. No, it's a big deal. God hates it, okay? It's, it's one of many things which God despises, going to punish in a, in a serious way. And it's one, of, one thing that in a church will get you kicked out of the church for okay we're not going to tolerate that sort of thing in a church so sins that get you kicked out of church extortion what is extortion so like i said I, I believe the summary there is using some sort of force including authority or standing to take from someone ripping someone off by the price or charging interest you know on 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 money lent or anything like that and just quickly on that, look, that, that does happen, by the way, as well. People could, you know, ask for some money. People can offer you that. I remember an old friend that I actually got saved who had a lot of issues in life trying to borrow money off me and then saying, I'll pay you back an extra amount. I was going, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I didn't want extra to be paying back because fortunately, you know, I'd already read my Bible. And you, you just know that's not really right, is it? Why don't I charge my friend interest, my old friend? But really, in the end, I just stopped lending him money because he had some serious issues that he shouldn't have been borrowing money for. But point being that people will try that with you sometimes. People might be offering you, but it doesn't mean that you're still not doing it, yeah? Okay, so, so... Look, if you can't afford to lend the money, don't lend the money, you know, and, and obviously we, you want to be very wary of people coming and trying to borrow money off you anyway, okay? That is something, you know, that you want to, that is a, I wouldn't quite say a red flag, sometimes there might be a genuine reason for it, but it should at least raise your kind of flags a little bit there. Dishonest gain is a good summary of it, isn't it? 
how bad is extortion? It's an abomination, okay? The Bible's clear, it's an abomination, okay? Especially when it's between each other. Especially when it's between each other. Why is it a sin that gets you kicked out of church? Because of the effect on the victims of it, because we want unity in our church, because like I said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, okay? And that's what, you know, a sin that gets you kicked out of church, extortion, maybe something we don't think about so much, maybe we focus on other sorts of things for church discipline, but it is one that I, I will be happy to, if I, if I need to, I'll have no, no um, hesitation to be, to be, you know, instilling church discipline on that, if that, if that, ever ever starts creeping up in this church i hope it never does um, i hope that's made it clear if you ever see signs of that please come and see me about that as well um, and on that let's pray father i thank you um i thank you for for you know just those those clear just just instructions on things that 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 need to require church discipline and and obviously extortion being something that is a wicked sin as much as we we're surrounded by it, as much as it seems to just be a, a part of daily life for many to deal with with the kind of the attempts of it in its various ways help us to to never never be you know so desensitized that we think that it's acceptable lord that we think that it's okay to behave like that in the house of god and amongst you know our brothers and sisters but also out in the world as well help us to just avoid those sort of jobs that, are, that, that involve that sort of thing and help us to just want an honest living lord to just work you know work as you've wanted us you know to, to earn a living by the sweat of our brow and not by the cunning craftiness of deceiving people out of their money help us to just want to, to, to just earn a living lord and want to just then also serve you and just want to be a good example to those around us and lord we we pray that you just bless our week now help uh just just help everyone get home safely and be able to get back here for wednesday's service and if not on sunday and in jesus name we pray all of this amen